Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. All right, well, good morning, church family. How we doing? Hallelujah. It's fun to just sing the name of Jesus. We're going to see Him face to face one day. If you're here and you've trusted the gospel, um, today's a really fun day because today we we begin a new sermon series. It's uh, wisdom for the family, and you know it'd be great if there was just this one book or even a chapter in the Bible that you could start in verse one and just move through it, and it tells you everything that you need to know about your role um, in the family. But it's it's not there, and so we're going to reach back in through this series and grab hold of those nuggets of wisdom from the book of Proverbs and then just follow God's lead and where he takes us to flesh that out. Um, so as we begin this morning, I want you to think about how a family is kind of like a track team. And so on a, on a track team, you got so many different individuals with different roles. You got those, those guys and gals that throw discus and shot put, a few of you here. You got the jumpers, which was never me. High jumpers, long jumpers. You got the real fast guys that sprint uh, short distances. And then you got those long distance guys and gals. And then, of course, coaches, coaches. Well, a family has a lot of different roles. And each role, God's Word shows us that each role within the family is very significant because it's contributing something to the greater good of the family or the team. And that's what we want to see throughout this series. Well, one of the other fascinating things about track season and track teams is for those who work hard at it and commit to it, track season overflows and contributes to all the other sports and all the other seasons and all the other roles um, a person might have. It makes you faster, makes you stronger for those other sports. And so if you ever talk to some of these guys that played football back in like the 70s and 80s, you know those old guys like Trevor? What what they would tell you, what they will tell you about what football was like back then is they also ran track, right? And it's not because they just really loved wearing those short shorts and showing off their white thighs. It's really because the coach, the football coach said, if you're going to play football for me, you're going to run track because track season will contribute and feed into football season and make you better. Well, one of the things that's so fascinating about taking the time over the next few months to study the different roles that you and I have in our families is how it actually feeds into other roles in other seasons um, in our life. And so this diagram helps. If, if in the middle is the idea of your relationship with Jesus, my relationship with Jesus, and we're really just focusing on that top sphere, circle, and just how... God has called us to function in our family. Well, the beauty along this journey is how when you are growing and maturing as a child or teenager, as a mother or, or father or wife or husband or grandparent even, God will use what you're learning during this season and he will overflow it into people in the church family and then other relationships that you have with individuals at school or at work or in the world. And what wouldn't make sense is to be really growing and becoming more loving and intentional as a husband or dad 
but then to still go to work or go to school and just be rude and grumpy. God wants what he's doing in our hearts to bless everybody around us. And as a church, we understand this is so significant. When you look around this room, there are individuals sitting here that grew up in very broken homes, suffered a lot of just horrible heartaches and pains, and you and me were just going to grow up to repeat it and pass on the hurt that was given to you to others in your family one day until someone in the church stepped in. God has a way of putting people in your life that's in the church to show you what it looks like to be a dad, to be a mom, to be a husband, to be a father, to be a grandparent. As a church, we don't ever want to miss the beauty of how, God, of how what God is doing in your life now. Someone else that's not even a part of your immediate biological family is seeing it. And you take them under your wing in some way and you encourage them and help them. And it changes the course of their life. And it changes what they pass on to their family. It's really exciting. So today and next week, we're going to talk about the season of singleness. And so by singleness, we mean the period of time when you're not married. So for a moment, even if you're dating, even if you're engaged, you're not married not said your vows before God and these witnesses. We're going to talk about the season of singleness. And the singleness really has two components. First, of course, there's the component of the person who's single and one day will get married. But then there's those who isn't called to be married, has no desire to get married. And that, that, that individual is very significant also, and sometimes the world has a way of kind of looking down upon someone that's older but isn't married and like frowning upon them like there's something wrong. But that's not the biblical view and that's not our view. So I want to speak to that component for just a second because let me encourage you this way. Jesus was single. Jesus grew up in a family with a mother and father that loved him, but at some point in his life... Joseph passed away. Jesus had siblings that didn't believe in him. Imagine how tough that was in his home growing up. So, but Jesus, although he was single, he cultivated healthy family relationships with his followers. And so through Jesus and through the way Jesus loved those that God put under him, we see that he gave them a vision. God put people with Jesus that were broken. They came from broken families. They came from a past that was dominated by sin. And Jesus taught them. And they sat under him. And together they ate. Together they traveled. Together they shared hardships in life. And together they celebrated victories like a family. And, and if we just stopped and think, how did he do this? Really, you could say that a healthy family comes down to really just two components. Jesus gave them leadership. They gave Jesus trust. Jesus said, I have a vision for what you will become while you're under my shepherd and influence because I know the day will come when I will be with you no longer. 
And they gave Jesus their complete and undivided trust. So I would just, I would pause here and I would just say, look, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you have some kind of shepherding role in someone's life, as a church, we're constantly challenging people to have a vision. Have a vision and an aim for how you're leading those that are under you now and what they will become while they're under your influence because the day is coming when you will be with them no longer like you are now. And the icing on the cake is what happened next because that day did come and those disciples became apostles. Jesus commissioned them He died, he arose, he ascended, he said, you got this, go for it. And they began to preach the gospel, thousands trusted the gospel, and the church was born. But here's just, this is so fascinating. The apostles were single. Except for Peter, we don't have any record of any of the apostles being married. The apostle Paul, who joined in later, was single. They had no responsibilities As far as an immediate family, wife, and children, they were single. And you think, well, what did they do? Well, the apostles, although they were single, they cultivated a healthy church family. The book of Acts tells us that that really a family atmosphere is how the church functioned. They met in one another's homes. They were relational with one another. They prayed together. They broke bread together. And the apostles gave them the teachings of Jesus, and they ministered to one another's needs like a family. And again, we could step back and say, well, how did the apostles do that? Leadership and trust. The apostles took the example of Jesus and they led the early church. They cast a vision and they said, this is what Jesus went after. This is what he showed us. This is what he did. This is what we're doing. And the early church gave the apostles and ultimately Jesus their full trust. And this is just blows us away. God's blessing was upon that family because they did it God's way, not man's way. The church was a family. And so God's blessing and favor will also be upon us as we follow his example. And that's us, the church today. And so now let's focus on the other season of singleness. The season of singleness where Maybe you don't think about it because you're a child or you're pretty young right now, but maybe one day you'll get married or maybe the season that that others are in as a teenager, as an adult, and how this season is meant to be a time that prepares us for the next season. And we want to see what does God give us to make the most out of it. So in Proverbs 18, 22, if you could, please stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible word. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18, 22, that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. There we go. Let's give it, give it a minute. It's good. You're going to go home today. It's going to be good. And the man that finds this good thing obtains favor from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amens. We thank you for the joy of church family, relationships, brothers and sisters and parents and spiritual parents. And we thank you for our biological families. Father, we ask 
that you would just take your word and your spirit and deepen our understanding of what you want and what you've called us to and what it means to have your blessing and your favor upon every season of life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So just notice for a moment that the text elevated the season of marriage in order to call us to wisdom during the season of singleness. Do you see that? When we step back and we think of the bigger picture in Proverbs, we know that this is not true of all marriages. Proverbs talks about lady folly, who's rebellious and clamorous against the ways of the Lord. And Proverbs talks about a man called the foolish man or the scorner. And so again, a man who's rebellious to the ways of the Lord. When Lady Folly and Mr. Foolish get married, Proverbs 18.22 says, that's not the marriage that has the favor or the acceptance from the Lord. And so I think it's good for us as a church, maybe just ask all the men in the room, especially if you're in the season of singleness, to look at this verse and ask a few questions. If he finds a wife... And he finds a good thing, then we should ask, what did he see in her before he chose to pursue her? How did he even know what to look for so that he knew, I'm going to give everything going after her? Maybe the the better picture uh, question for the men is really this What happened between him and God during the season of singleness? Before he ever met her. I think it would be good to ask the ladies similar questions. Especially if you're in the season of singleness. Or maybe this really helps you as a parent. To think through down the road for when this time comes. When he found her. He found a good thing. God said so. So what did she observe in him before he pursued her? How did, or what, yeah, what did she know to wait for? It's pretty easy for a girl to say yes to a guy, ain't it? But maybe the better question for all the ladies is what happened with her and God during her season of singleness? Before he came along, before he called her, before he texted her, before he got her number, before he was ever in the picture, what was going on between her and God? So that when he came along, she said, that's the kind of guy I've been waiting for. That's why I've been saying no to all those other guys. And, when he, and, and then when he met her, he said, that's the kind of girl I've been looking to pursue. And that's why I didn't pursue all the other girls. And I think for us as parents and as a church, just we look at this one verse. I think it's really good for us to say, Who invested in him and who invested in her so that when this time came, they were ready to obtain God's blessing? Was it the example that they saw between mom and dad in the home? Was it the marriages they saw in the church because they were so involved in the church and acquainted and in and out of the the lives of other people that they saw something and they said, that's what I'm going after, nothing less. It's powerful to think about. So I think we would all agree when we look at this verse 
that a marriage will begin with God's favor when each individual trusts God's lead during the season of singleness. And now let me say it again. There's nothing about this message or this series that is meant to try to make you or me be reminded of all the ways that we didn't do it right. And all the ways that we failed. We're here as a church to learn from our past, but to look to what God wants to do in our present and follow him into our future. And so we want to communicate this idea because it's biblical. And so what, what I want to do for just the next few minutes is step back into the story of the first single man ever. We know that the season of singleness is a time when we're, it's really difficult. Especially when you kind of get to that age and you know you're single. You know, you remember that time whenever you, you were going through life, maybe it was like the middle school age. And just one day you woke up and you're like, you know what? Today I'm not going to wear bed hair to school. Today I'm going to fix my hair. See some of you shaking your hands. It was whenever you, you girls asked your mom for makeup and lipstick and jewelry and all that other stuff. And, and you spent all that time trying to get ready, you know, because you wanted him or her to notice you. So you tried to wear clothes that match that day, you know. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like it's when you became aware of your singleness and you kind of wanted something a little bit more. Those are challenging years. As a parent, as a church, we don't want to lose sight of that. I'm so thankful that we have a youth pastor and we have so many young men and women that help serve and lead the youth. So we just want to convey uh, to you, to, you know, to everyone out there that we know this is a time that's it's very easy, it's very tempting to walk away from God, but I want to say to you today, this is a holy season. This is a season where you have the opportunity, because you have little responsibilities, to do things and serve uh, other people, and you can make the very most out of this season by getting to know God. So just watch this for a few moments as we step back into how God led the first ever single man. It's a familiar passage in Genesis 2. Genesis 2 tells us that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Just step back for a second here and let's just make an observation. God created Adam apart from Eve. Eve's going to come later on at the end of chapter 2. God created Adam in a season of singleness. God formed man first, not woman and not man and woman together. Could it be that God had in mind the role of a husband, which is to be the leader of the home in the way that he loves and serves and cherishes and nourishes and protects the home? Could it be that God had in mind, Adam needs to understand how to lead by being led before I give him the woman that he's supposed to lead? And so I want us to think this wasn't an accident, just like your life is not an accident. God was intentional. God formed man. God carefully thought through every detail of man from head to toe and then breathed life into him. To all the men in the room, do you know this is what God still calls us to be today? He calls us to be his breath of life to our families he, he wants us to be men that's so filled with his breath of life that when we come home tired and exhausted from work or a hard day, that we're not a fragrance of just 
constant aggravation and just angry and bitter and fussy and grippy, that we're life to our home. So God made man and breathed life into him. And at this point in time, it's just God and Adam. Before there was Adam and Eve, there was God and Adam. Just if you're single, just soak that in for a moment. Because often what do men do and how were we tempted back in the day? We're tempted to find our identity in who we date. We're tempted to find our identity in who we sleep with and what we do and where we go. And then eventually you're tempted to find your identity in who you marry. God has given Adam a time to find his identity in him. So I think it would be safe for us to just step back and say that the singleness, singleness is a season of discovering the person God has called you to be. Whenever we trust, trusted the gospel, when someone trusts Jesus as their savior, you think about what happens in that moment. We're born into God's family. We're saved. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. The old has passed away and the new has come. The Bible tells us that we are a new creation. Well, we would never recommend a young man who got saved today to get married tomorrow, right? You need a season. You need time. And as a church, we just take this so serious. We want to help individuals to discover who you now are in Christ. Apart from who you were in the flesh, in your old nature, in your sinful nature. Which I know at the time of creation, Adam didn't have that nature. But we were born with it, weren't we? And so we need this time to figure out, who am I? And so what did Adam do during this season? He walked with God and he talked with God. I, I can't, we can't challenge and encourage singles enough. Use, use this season of life to walk with God, talk with God, sing to God, learn to pray to God and look for him to answer. You'll become confident in your walk with him before you're asked to lead his daughter one day as your wife. <clears throat> And so the next season comes with a lot of responsibilities, incredible responsibilities. Uh, so maybe there's this moment here where God is giving Adam time to learn to trust him, time to follow God's lead. And I, just, I think I want to just pause for a second and just say a lot of times when you see a broken home and maybe if you grew up in a broken home, you experience this. A lot of times the home is broken because men simply aren't leading because they didn't know how to lead because their dad didn't lead. That's just a reality. It's why the church wants to step in. And often men don't know how to lead and serve by leading because they never learned to trust God's lead for their own life and discover who they were. Other times it's the opposite. A man's leading. He's trying to lead. He's trying to serve. He's trying to get out the Bible and do devotional. He's trying to be intentional. But sometimes the wife in the home doesn't follow his lead because she never went through a, a season of singleness where she learned to trust and discover who she is as a woman of God. And so she's reluctant to trust the man's lead. And really until the church steps in and says, let me show you God's design the two are kind of just wondering, and then everybody gets affected by it. So maybe just stop here and just say, this is a season of just you and Jesus. Because verse 8 tells us, look what happened next. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Now, isn't it neat that God 
thought this out. God went and intentionally said, I want to give Adam a responsibility because I'm calling Adam one day with Eve to a much greater responsibility. So as parents, one of the greatest things we can do is we can look for ways to to plan and shepherd and teach our children to begin to take ownership in things in life. So the garden was Adam's opportunity to learn to be responsible with God with what God is giving him to do. If we're faithful with what God gives us now in this season, he will entrust to us greater things in the season to come. So God planted a garden. God didn't want to waste this time, and God didn't call the birds and the animals and the plants to all come to Adam and entertain Adam while Adam just laid around and did nothing. God gave Adam work to do. So verse 15 says that God took, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. Now you think Adam didn't grow up with a biological mother or father. God is being his daddy. God is taking him over here and he's saying, here's how plants work. Here's how this seed works and here's what it does and here's what you need to do today. But then here's what you need to do tomorrow. And then whenever this begins to happen, here's what you need to do. You can just imagine Adam soaking it all in. But this is so powerful because as parents, we get this limited season with our children and we don't want to waste it. We, we just had this great discussion in Sunday school about what are all the things that you want your children to know how to do before they turn 18 or 20 and leave the home. It's great. So here's God planting, planting a garden and just maybe just step back and think for a second. The garden is a place and it's a place with a purpose. Isn't it true that during the season of singleness, There are a lot of places that you can go that are not appointed or planted by God. Isn't it true that during the season of singleness, there's a lot of purposes in which you can serve and devote your life to that God says, I didn't tell you to do that. That's that's not of me. So I think we could look at God's intentionality with the garden and with Adam. We could say, singleness is a season of devoting yourself to the place and the purposes God gives you. Adam, here's a garden. Cultivate it because one day you're going to cultivate a family. Adam, here's a garden because I want you to learn patience because one day when you get married and you want a good marriage, you're following me. You're going to need to be patient. Okay, there we go. There's a few honest people here today. Marriage takes patience with each other because we're different. We're very different. Male and female, very different. Very different. Raising children takes patience. So God says, here's Adam, here's a place and here's a purpose in which you're going to actually be learning patience and you're also going to be learning persistence. You can't just mess with a garden a few days and just reap this incredible vineyard, can you? Wouldn't that be great? Especially for us today, because we're tilling gardens under the curse. And so we got weeds, and we got briars, and we got calluses on our hands. It's a good thing. So God is saying, Adam, learn to work. Learn to be persistent. Show up day after day after day, because I'm not calling you to be a husband or a dad that's just faithful today and then gone tomorrow. I'm calling you to be persistent in going to the place with the purpose that I gave you because that's the commitment I want you to have for your family.
That's what we want to do as a church. We want to raise a generation of men and women that see the beauty of what God is calling us to do. So then we could say this. The Lord God commanded man in verse 16 and 17, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. What did God just do? God took the time and took the intentionality to define good and to define evil. For Adam, this is what we do as a church. This is what we do as shepherds and parents. We, we, we look at the word of God. We take the whole thing and we say, look, God said this is good. And his blessing will be upon you if you go after it. But God said this is evil. I don't care what the world does. I don't care how cultures change. I don't care what the latest TikTok video is. God says this is evil. And it'll ruin your life, but it also will ruin your family if you eat from it and dive into it. So we know this. There's places and purposes in which we can invest our lives, single or married, that rob us of the good fruit that God has always wanted us to eat from. But as a church and as, as men, I just want to talk to the young men, when they, or the young men, the single men, the single women. When you say, God, I see what you've called good and I see what you call evil. I'm going to be a man and I'm going to be a woman that rises up and says, Lord, where you tell me to go is the place I'll go. And the purposes in which you command me to do is what I'll do because I see what you have called good and what you've called evil and I want to be in on it. Can I say to you that when that's the fire that burns in your bones and in your heart, even at a young age, you are going to cultivate a family one day that's going to serve the living God. This is his heart. This is what Jesus did. Jesus rescued Mary Magdalene and he rescued Matthew, the tax collector from the tax booth. He said, walk with me. Talk with me. I'm going to take you to places. I'm going to show you a new purpose. And I'm going to free you of the evil that's occurred in your life. And I'm going to show you how to love and live a good life. And that's what they did. So we, I think we could say that singleness is a season of delighting in God's protection over your life. It's not just a bunch of rules. God's commands aren't just rules where God's just robbing us of the fun that other people say that they're having. We look at God's commands and we say, Lord, you really have my best interest at heart. You really want me to find a wife one day. You really want me to find a husband one day. And you want your favor to be upon it. Starting then. That's, that that's, gets me excited. And so the psalmist said this in, in Psalm um, chapter, chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That's a man that says, I'm not going to waste 
this season of singleness. So after this period of time passed on, God said, Adam, come here. I want to let you in on something. It's not good that you're alone. Now you're ready to cultivate relationships and marriage, and I'm going to make you a helper, a teammate, a wife, someone to share life with and devote yourself to my purposes. And look, I'm wrapping up, but I just want to say, kind of like Ben did last week, if there is... If this just gets you excited and you're just like, oh man, let's just, I want to talk so much more about it. Two of the best books that many of us have ever read is When God Writes Your Love Story. Fantastic book for this season of life. And Point Man was a book. We did a Sunday school class on that. I read it before and after marriage. Fantastic examples and illustrations. I just want to close this morning by just thinking about... um, Something that someone wrote to me several years ago. Currently, we're doing a Sunday school class going through this book, The Intentional Father. I had a great friend. His name is Neil McEwen. lives out in eastern North Carolina. He's raising two daughters. He's a stud of a man. And he, he mailed me this book several years ago. And just at the end of what he wrote me, I just want you to think about what he's saying at the end here. He says, May we never take the call to father and disciple our children lightly. May we model the way of Jesus for them so it's real and authentic. May we always resist our temptation to be passive in favor of being intentional with our kids. And may our children grow up to love Jesus with their whole heart, follow his ways with everything in them. I love you brother. You know, what the, you know what he really did right there? He said, God gave me leadership and now I'm going to lead because I trusted God. And he said, I want you to do the same. And whenever this is what defines your family and whenever leadership and trust is what defines us as a church, God says, my favor and my blessing will be upon you. People will be broken, but they'll come in among you and they'll see what I can do and they'll go after it and I'll meet them where they are. So I think the big question for us today is do we trust him and will we go after it together? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your intentionality. Though we failed so many times, Thank you that you don't hold those failures over our head. And though sometimes we just seem to miss what you're saying and what you're doing, I thank you there's grace for today. And that there's a harvest for tomorrow that we can all reap, young and old, single and married. And that is what we long for in this church. We pray that our hearts would be a garden that you would continue to cultivate and grow as we trust you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org 
or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.